There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. What's up? This is your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet that's right up to $1,500 again sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in Ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park that's 1-800-GAMBLER If it doesn't work, you're just not using enough. You're listening to Software Radio, special operations military news, and straight talk with the guys in the community. Hey, what's going on? This is Rad, your host of Soft Rep Radio, and I have Jeff Engel on with me today. And Jeff comes from a military background of the United States Army Special Operations, I believe free fall parachute teams. I believe he's also heavily involved in cybersecurity and how to help prevent that in your personal life or how to adapt what he's learned in special operations on you know, the cybersecurity side of things so that you can apply some of that, maybe, you know, attention to detail and some rules. So let's listen to what Jeff has to say and welcome to our show. Well, Brad, thanks for having me. You gave a good intro. I mean, I've been fortunate to spend my, yeah, what I considered my formative years when when a lot of people are, are going to college. I uh, I was getting an education, you know, in, in, in the Army Special Missions Unit, which, you know, set the stage for, for many of the things that I've done since. Um, yeah, you know, when you when you've got nobody to call, they're you know they're the ones. So there's no backup, and it really changes the way that uh, that you think about you know more complex problems. So a lot of self rescue in that world where it's like you're out there and it's you and your buddies are the self rescue. It's like someone climbing a mountain. It's up to them to get off kind of that mountain. Yeah. You know, self rescue. 
Absolutely. And you have uh, the other pieces when you're doing you know things in remote places with, with small organizations and they're you know, high profile. Something as innocuous as bringing the wrong batteries can mean mission failure. So, you, you know, it really influences the way the way that you, you think and the way that, you know, I built, you know, my organization around trying to, to have that comparable level of attention to detail and selection process and, and high expectations. And it's uh, it was the best thing that I believe I could have possibly done was to, you know, have the opportunity to be surrounded by people who just have no quit. And, you know, and that there are many of them were, were older than me. You know, I, I was the baby. They did a they did an age waiver for me to get into the unit when I was I was okay. 21. So I was surrounded by guys that you know had been been doing what I call the Lord's work for many years, and uh, my team leader, who you know is a, a guy that I still look up to, he only ended up being my team leader for about three months, and then was hit by an IED and paralyzed. So I, as a as a young sergeant, got escalated into being a you know a team leader in you know the you know America's National Mission Force. Before I pinned on E6 or had figured out how to get the wet behind my ears out of the way, so it's sometimes being thrust into that position can influence everything that happens after that. And yeah, I, I think I was I was fortunate to to still have the the influence of him, and he stayed around even even though he was you know doing wheelies in a wheelchair yeah for a couple of years. I still call those guys and, and say you know and, and look for advice, even though they're they're doing very different things these days than, than I am. Right? Maybe we'll see him in the X Games. <laughs> you know, hey, just throw some inspiration out there, bro. You know, you guys have that type of mindset, right? You guys are extreme athletes. I, I talk to uh, many alike uh, in your world and, you know, what it is that made you go in at a young age. So how old were you when you enlisted versus the 21 waiver, right? So did you enlist at like a 17, 18 yeah. year old? Yeah, I did. Um, so yeah, I joined the army at 17. It was, yeah. uh, you know, I guess everybody's going to know how old I am because, yeah, it's not, <laughs> yeah, not too commonly known. But yeah, I joined when I was 17. It was April of 2001. I came in originally as a uh, weapons of mass destruction guy. So chemical, biological, radiological, and nuclear. And uh, I was in the second day of the, the reconnaissance course when September 11th happened. So I was fortunate to be the distinguished honor grad of the, all the training up to that point, which got me into that additional school. So I ended up in, in WMD reconnaissance. And then I was on a round trip to the Middle East for the first four years of my military time. So I had three deployments, 26 months in, in combat by the time wow. I was that 21-year-old sergeant. And, you know, I'd already had, you know, I had got a you know commendation for valor and i was wounded and you know that type of thing well in my my regular army days and i think some of those things ultimately you know led to to uh recruiting me into doing something that was much more fun and definitely i had all the lessons of what not to do in big army mm -hmm. all the things of what to do when i was in the special operations community i still look to those as, as move forward like don't they say the difference between uh regular army and special operations and forces is hands in pockets you guys stand around with your hands in the pockets getting. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, like it that. is. Yeah, I talk. Yeah. I talk about that, that kind of thing in my book. I mean, the, uh, a lot of people think who, who are not around the community, they think the military is this thing where everybody does what they're told and there's, you know, a policy for everything, you know, and very much big army is not, uh, everybody does what they're told, right? They do, they do whatever they get, they can get away with. Right. Right. But there's a mentality right. around, you know, don't stick your hands in your pockets. Yeah. You know, 
just drive off the X when you get hit by something, you know, it's very, and, and there's this belief in, in some circles that there's somebody on high who actually knows the right thing to do. And that's why it's all being pushed down. You know, what I, what I learned in the special operations community was there's a reason behind all of those things. And there's a reason to deviate from many of them and the hands in the pockets thing. Oh, so you're always at the ready, right? Well, you're not going to be able to do anything with those hands if they're frozen, right? Right. So it's just a it's just a different mentality and, a, and an understanding of what the the core of whatever the rule is, and then you then once you understand the why, right? You can you can make better decisions whether to apply it or or to break that rule. Right. And you're, I think, kind of of the opinion to sometimes you have to break that rule to move forward, right? I mean. What's your thoughts on breaking specific rules, especially when it comes to like, you had to cross over, you had to do some stuff in the military, right? And so there's rules that you're like, oh, I got to get, we need a roof on this shack. How do we get a roof on the shack? You know, what, what's the ingenuity? What, what kind of rule break are you doing to procure that roof, you know, <laughs> for that shack? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean that, so I'll tell you a, a war story that I think the statute of limitations on it is over so I can get away with sure. it, but <laughs> So my first, uh, yeah, my first deployment, we were responsible for, uh, you know, for WMD reconnaissance, and we we're part of a combined joint task force supporting operation during freedom. And we had, we were forward deployed, and we had all of our reconnaissance vehicles and all that stuff. It was ready to roll, right? So we had a platoon come in in December of 2002 to replace us. So they were going to take over our equipment, you know, and everything was in pristine shape. It was ready, ready for combat. So we retrograde, right? So the platoon comes in, we turn everything over. You know, I get us a, a plane as a young E4, right? I went down to the, the airport and I was able to get us on a plane back home. And we, we arrived on December 22nd of 2002 back in Alexandria, Louisiana. My first sergeant gets on the bus as we come off the plane. He says, don't unpack your bags because you're going right back. So they didn't want to tell us that we were ultimately going to you know, they wanted, they avoided getting us a ride home because they just expected uh-huh. us to stay and, but couldn't tell us. So when we got back, you know, I'm now at that point I was a, you know, I was still a young kid. You know, I got to go and, you know, and tell the family, Hey, I'm, I'm going right back. But the worst part was all the vehicles that we were going to have to take over was from that platoon that relieved us and they were not ready at all. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, antennas, radios were all jacked up. Equipment didn't work. You know, the air conditioning, because it's a fully enclosed reconnaissance vehicle, that stuff you know, didn't work, which ultimately meant the equipment didn't. So now we're going to have to do the invasion of Iraq, and we've got somebody else's garbage. So we spent six weeks getting all those vehicles ready, put them on a, on a, you know, a boat, came back to Kuwait at the time, got the vehicles, and uh, we had to go and procure, right, through unofficial yeah. challenge, you know, channels, all of the things that we needed to get those, you know, those vehicles combat ready. So, you know, I don't can, you know, condone that type of activity then, but as a, as a, as an E, you know, E three, four and about to go across the berm and do Iraq, you do what you got to do. Right? That's, so, that's what I would you think. Know, yeah. Sometimes breaking the rules, you know, they'll, they're make or breaks on. Yeah. And if you understand really what the baseline is, why the core of it, it, you end up making different decisions many times because the, almost every case is an index case when you get, end up in you know high stress environments. You know, I I talk about it a little bit in my book. It's coming out. Yeah, the 
there was a seven hour period in, in 2004 in Baghdad where I kind of experienced everything that could go wrong. You know, that's when I was, when I was wounded and, uh, ended up getting a, a medal for valor. You know, if I would have followed the rules and just kept driving off the X, uh, when we were ambushed, you know, I'd be dead right now. That whole route was daisy chain with IEDs. Um, and they were, the, uh, the ambush was initiated to get us to follow the rules, which is, you know, speed through where we would have either been, you know, we would have been likely been killed. I was exposed because right. I was you know, out of the vehicle. The other people might have been, you know, might have been captured, tortured, or whatever. So I made the call uh, because I was the only one who had comms. And I, at that time, I was a 19 year old sar- or 20 year old sergeant. I t- said, you know, I stayed on stayed on the X. You know, tried to lay down suppressive fire, but the 50 cal I had, the headspace and timing uh, was misconfigured, so it ended up jamming, and I told everybody to go back the other way so the only one who was wounded was me and you know yeah. we ended up you know breaking all the rules about how you're supposed to handle that situation but but ultimately it worked out for the best so there's a lot happening these days but i have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time the seven from the washington post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories and we always try to save room for something fun you get it all in about seven minutes or less i'm hannah jewell i'll get you caught up with the seven every weekday so follow the seven right now Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com news. That's LifeLock.com news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. What was the wound that happened to you? How did that come about? Specifically? Yeah, so the initial, the initial blast... I don't know if you can tell how ugly I am, but the initial blast, um, <laughs> you know, 
caused, uh, I got, I got shrapnel in my eye and I had a vertical fracture in my jaw. So I was kind of turned that way. And the initial explosion, there was, uh, it was either an IED or an RPG. I was looking the other way so I couldn't oh. see. There was an RPG fired at the initial Ambush. vehicle or the, the vehicle yeah. in front. Yeah. So they cut the lights off on the road. The explosion mm. went off RPGs. There was RPKs mm. that were, uh, mm. shooting from multiple positions. That mm. was, uh, if I was watching it from the outside, it might've been an interesting light show, but, um, at the, at the moments, you know, it didn't last very long, but we were able to, we were able to get out of there. I spent the night in the, uh, the 31st combat support hospital, you know, and have, a, have stories about my perspective on that as there was a kid sitting with his guts on his chest next to me, but they cared more about me because of the potential loss of my eye. So it was, yeah, uh, he's it over was, there. It was right? an interesting. Oh yeah. man, that's wild, bro. Cause like the RPK for my listener, that's a, full auto machine gun that has a bipod off the front of it and it has a big like green box mag with like uh, the big bullets 7.62 bullets these guys are big boys you know and they're just like probably just holding the trigger it's just like tick, 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 tick. it's just consistent and then the rpgs or rocket propel grenade that's coming at you and it's just like uh, what about your hearing i mean are you wearing ear pro is this going on i mean like is it echoing or what yeah yeah, no, I had, you know, goggles on, you know, because I was mm-hmm. outside of the turret. And, you know, those got blown off, you know, from the, the initial blast. And the, uh, the, basically it's a, it was a, you know, a helmet connected to the communication. So there was some, mm-hmm. some level of, of hearing protection. But when you're that close to explosions, you know, if you ask my, if you ask my, uh, my family, they, they'd say my hearing isn't that great, but mostly attributed what? to ignore. <laughs> ignore <laughs> What'd you say? Uh, <laughs> Yeah. The, so is this vehicle an MRAP? Was, yeah. Is that what an MRAP? No, Are you no, an no, MRAP or a Humvee? This is, you know, 2004 during the Mahdi uprising. Yeah. You know, during those days, there were, you know, the, yeah, the, the up-armored Humvees, you know, and all that hadn't arrived. It was, we were cutting out pieces of metal and, you know, trying to weld them on to, uh, wow. to fabric doors and Humvees. But I was on a, a smoke track, so it kind of looks like an armored personnel carrier, but it was designed to, to, uh, go in front of the tanks and lay down smoke. So we just basically ripped all the equipment out of it and turned it into a armor personnel carrier. But I was up on the, the 50 cal on the turret as the, uh, the assistant patrol leader at that time. So, you know, me and the driver and, you know, a, a skinny private that we could fit inside the, where the smoke, <laughs> uh, where the smoke machine hole was, we were all exposed in the rear vehicle. And, you know, as things happened, I, I told them to get down and pivot steer and, we ended up getting out once the uh, the Humvee in the front and the and the other vehicle went past us because we were only like 200 meters into route Sonics, you know, at the time. Which, if you understand how you kind know, of the all the route names, we were patrolling Senators, which is like as you come into Southern Baghdad, you Senators you end up taking east and it kind of wraps around and goes into the green zone. Well, between between Senators and and uh, the green zone, there's route Sonics. That's that's the the route we were taking as an alternate course to uh, you know because senators had we came up that route and then first armor division who was uh, who we replaced they ended up getting extended an extra three months so they were going they moved up to the uh, off of our our forward operating base and up to the green zone and then got orders to instead of going home that they need they were gonna they were gonna go south so that night their Bradleys and tanks were they passed us we, they were, and we were the only other ones out in Baghdad that night. They passed us and we're just getting lit up on route senators. So we ended up taking Sonics back. The intent was to take Sonics back to Irish and Irish down to our, 
you know, our base, which was on the southern edge of Baghdad, but we were only like 200 meters in to Route Sonics when, you know, the lights went out and the bombs went off. So it was an interesting night. Crazy, dude. And then that's just between like 17 and 21, right? You're, you're like on your, you're like on, around the world already a few times. And, uh, and now you've got an injury to deal with and you got to recover from that. And you've got that going on. Then you get pulled into this unit, right? At 21 because they're like, yeah. Hey, well, and what is it? Can you talk about what that unit is specifically? Is it an ODA? Is it Delta? Is it? No, no, no. Yeah. It's, um, all I can say is it was a, it's the, it's an army special missions unit. Yeah. <laughs> I was just reading a lot. So, and I was like, what is this? <laughs> like, you know, yeah, it's, yeah. I was fortunate to be surrounded by people who had a lot more experience in special operations before they, they ever got there. I mean, the, the uh, it was, it's, it's not a, a very common thing, you know, for somebody who came from the regular army to go directly into the organization that I, I had the good fortune of, of working in. And then being as young as I was and, you know, my, the people I was surrounded by being significantly, you know, older, more experienced and, you know, and having this be like their, their path was a, you know, special operations path. They were special forces and Rangers and those types of things before they ever got there or they supported those, those types of units before they ever got there. Then I was just a, I was a little punk, you know, 21 year old punk who thought there was something. But when I walk into, you know, when I went through those gates, right. it's a humbling experience. Uh, yeah. And I, still feel that way. You know, I have the, the good fortune of having some of the people I worked with back then who, who went on to, con, you know, to continue to have great careers in, in special operations, join me in the company now. And oh, yeah. I think that's, uh, that's a, a sig- significant point of pride. You know, that they would be willing, you know, I worked for these guys right? and the fact that they would come, you know, you know, finish out illustrious careers and retire as colonels and sergeants major and that type of thing. And, and be willing to come work with me on, on this new problem. Yeah. That's, that's a big deal for me. Well, at least they're all got, they got college degrees. You got that already right off the bat. <laughs> like major colonel, okay. Degree, degree, degree. Come on over. <laughs> yeah. It paid off. It yeah, paid off, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's funny. I, when I was, yeah, when I was that kid, the government spent a massive amounts of money training me to do things that, you know, that no college ever would, you know, I, there were times where, you know, I was sitting with one other person. Yeah. You know, there'd be like 15 PhDs in the room and and they're all there just to train us because, you know, you don't, you know, this type of things that we were doing, you don't have, uh, you don't have academics, you know, throw on kit and do this stuff with, you know, (laughs) out in the middle of nowhere. So, yeah, it was, you know, that, that world is always educating one, you know, my dad was a green beret for many years and he was uh, pursuing his PhD by that time, you know, he passed away, but, always chasing that intellect right to expand the mind and and use that as the sharpest tool in his toolbox of you know tactics is the, his mind so i like yeah. wh- what you're saying already right and uh you know yeah. that brings me to like other people who are super savvy you know and simplistic right it's like you know i know that you're probably a fan of sun tzu right and the art of war and and I know that, yeah. you know, attack at night, fall back when, you know, retreat when you're being attacked, you know, flank, simple maneuvers, go to sleep, eat food, drink water, you'd be, you know, rested, right? He, he tries to write this thin book. It's, or, you know, however I've seen it, it's a thin book, if you will, you know, a few hundred pages or so, Art of War. What do you use from that? What do you like? What, tell me about it. Yeah, no, I, 
So Sun Tzu, you know, I, I'm a huge consumer of things that other people might otherwise not want to read. So it's, uh, you know, when I think about Sun Tzu, I think about the experiences that I've had. I think, you know, I think about the policies and doctrine and things that are written, you know, I try to consume. And I think this is common amongst people who, who have a, you know, a special operations background generally, like the basics are, are everything. Magic happens after you've become, you've mastered the basics. You know, my, you know, one of my mentors, he used to say, the only thing that matters is shooting in PT. Like everybody thinks it's all the, the Gucci gear and the, mm-hmm. you know, the high tech you know, capabilities and it comes down to it. If you're, if you're tired, you're susceptible you know, to, to making a mistake. Right. So it's almost like, uh, there's a, the movie around zombies. It's like cardio, cardio is the most important thing. Right. It is. Yeah. Um, but if you, if you can hit what you're aiming at and, and you're not tired when you get there so you can make better decisions, then, you know, you have a significant advantage over your adversaries. So I think that the, the simpler, the better, right. Everything in, in my you know, the way we operate in, in my company and, you know, the way I've approached it is eliminate all the unnecessary, right? And I'm not saying I have a Spartan existence. I've seen some of these, you know, these former soft guys, they're like eating raw duck liver, you know, and, you know, and they just, and wearing weighted vests all the time. I'm not, I'm not operating like that. I'm, you know, uh-huh. I'm definitely a lot soft, softer than I was back in the day. But, you know, I, those basic things of do you have way more um, you know complexity whether it be you know things or emotions that are needed you know can you simplify your life and then can you automate uh, the things away to where you don't have to to have decision fatigue so Sun Tzu you know from a tactics standpoint you know very much aligned and you know I could I could say that anything that you know that he might have written you know I have had the good fortune of experiencing and people who people who don't um don't read and then execute. I think about, you know, I have myriad of examples where this just comes naturally to the special operations leaders that I've, that I've been around and people who, uh, you know, who apply those same, the same mindsets. But whereas most people who just read and consume, they don't have any of that real world experience and opportunity to put it in, put the application into practice. So it just becomes like, you know, taglines that they use rather than the way they actually influence their decision-making on a day-to-day basis. And, and those, those two things are, are literally worlds apart. Right. Like on the job training can give you experience in, in what you're working on. Like right there, it's like, Oh, I got to put the fire out. Oh, now I got to put, clean the fire up that I've just put out. And now you know how to do that versus this is how it comes out of somebody who's never done it. They, they, they want to tell you about it, but they maybe don't have the exact, um, I guess entrepreneurship would be that way. You know, you have a, you have a teacher that you're going to class to learn how to be an entrepreneur, but yet are they an entrepreneur themselves or are they just teaching you how to be an entrepreneur? You know? And so I think that if you just dive into being an entrepreneur, you learn what you, you got to read. There's books. I get it. You want to learn about like, you know, the how to for entrepreneurship for dummies. I mean, just like customer service, there's one, there's a book, you know, you learn how to like, let people talk or like, you know, vent their frustrations as customer service. But when it comes to entrepreneurship, it's like, everybody's asked me, what's the biggest key? And I said, you just got to be at first jobless. You're like, what do I do with myself? I got to, I got to defend myself. And, and uh, how am I going to do that? Well, what am I good at doing? Well, I love to do X. Well, how do I focus on X to be my passion that I'm good at and monetize it? And, uh, you know, when I got out of the military, it gave me a direction, kind of like a U-turn. It's like, Hey, you're going to turn around and 
start over a new life, a new leaf, a new, you know, here goes a new cocoon of rad into a new butterfly. And multiple times I continue to cocoon and change. And I think that just, you know, educating yourself is a good thing. And then just kind of doing is also the best thing, right? Uh, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. That's just... That's Absolutely. I mean, I've gotten to the the point I am in, in my career and how I operate based off of uh, a little bit of retrospective analysis on, you know, gave me energy versus drained it. And I've tried to share that with anybody that I that I can, that's, you know, that's coming out of the military or just doesn't feel satisfied in what they do. It comes back to, you know, are you doing something that you're passionate about? Right. And that you would think is like, oh, that's all you need. And And I've learned that you know, I've done cool things, right? That I thought were cool, that other people thought were really cool things to do. You know, I've done things that made an impact that I felt like I could, like you, you could put on a tombstone and say, hey, "This guy's made more of a positive impact on the world than than negative." And without have being with people that I liked, right? People that I thought were in the fight with me, those two things of doing cool stuff that made an impact weren't enough. So, I mean, I've. I've you know, since the, in the last five years, since I've had the opportunity to, to build, you know, my company, I've reinforced that day after day after day. It's doing cool stuff that makes an impact with people you like. And it's say, if you, if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. And I'm like, well, right. if you love what you do and it's, you know, it's fulfilling and you're surrounded by people who are in the fight with you, then you'll never work a day in your life. Right? It's not just the one. Yeah, I love that. That's very positive. And uh, I say that uh, at, at, my, at my stores here in Salt Lake. You know, when my staff are off the clock, but yet they come in off the clock to hang out still, I feel that that's a good environment. When you're like, usually you get off the clock, you're like, I don't want to go back to work. You work at a restaurant, I don't want to eat there. I just got to go work there. But to want to go back and be like, I'm off the clock. Do you need, do you still need help, Rad? You want me to grab something out of the back? I'm like, you're not on the clock. <laughs> you know, it's like, thank you though. It's just a total positive community is what it is, right? They just want to see the success. Yeah. Finding the right news podcast can feel like dating. It seems promising until you start listening. When you hit play on Post Reports, you'll get fascinating conversations and sometimes a little fun, too. I'm Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. Martine and I are the hosts of Post Reports. The show comes out every weekday from The Washington Post. You can follow and listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be a match, I promise. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. 
If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a saying, you, know, you either get busy living or you get busy dying. And if it's yeah. if all you're doing is spending eight to nine to 10 hours a day, five days a week, is to get reprieve on you know Friday night throughout Saturday and then start dreading it on Sunday, then that's not much of a life. You're like, oh, well, my kids and my, you know, my family, that's what I'm, you know, that's, that's life to me. Like, mm-hmm. hey, I... I get that. Those things are important, but what kind of example are you setting? Do you want your kid to end up in the same situation you are where they're just working for the weekend? Really? I don't. No, there's even songs written about working for the weekend. We all heard it. Come on. You know, you want to do, you want to, like you said, working, working at what you love to do is not really kind of working. All right. Even though you're working and you're tired at the end of the day and you've like done a lot, you know, but if you put it into the passion and uh, with people surrounding you with the same passion, for that same uh, idea, you know, whatever widget you're thinking of, uh, we have a lot of smart listeners out there that are going to make some cool stuff. I know after this conversation, they're just going to be inspired to go out and, you know, say, you know, why not me? You know, why not start your new sticker company for vinyl stickers? Why not start your new uh, advertising agency and try to get it going? You know, why not get out there and just and try? Because my dad taught me something. He said, Aaron, because I was bothering, he, like they wanted me to start a team here for my airsoft war games way back in 2002. And I was like, dad, I don't really want to do it. I just want to play the game. I don't want to be in charge of anything. I just want to play the game. And uh, he's like, well, well, why? And I said, well, I don't know. And he's like, well, if you don't try, you'll never know. And so I was like, oh, okay, well, you're throwing that at me, huh? So here we are today. And now 20 years later, and I now know why I, I tried. So, you know, it's been just a total success and with a passion involved, you know, war games, the wear and the gear that we're talking about, the Gucci guys have, you know, the war game airsofters here and across the world, they love it. Like they look up to that kind of equipment, you know, it's like what was going on in 2005, Afghanistan or uh, Iraq. And it's like mixed match uniforms, woodland body armor, tricolor bottoms, chocolate chips, some ACU. That's an airsoft loadout, right? And that's like respect for that era. Okay. These guys are out there like, Hey, you know, and uh, that's maybe someone who had asthma could never play or never join the military, right? What do they get to do? So they step outside themselves and they go and play war games and, and uh, then go back to working during the week so they can get off during the weekend to go play war games to step outside themselves. It's just a... Uh, yeah, no, I, yeah, I, I encourage all of that. I mean, my view is find something you're passionate about, you know, and it doesn't need to be what I am, right? When people say, yeah, thank you for your service to me, it's, yeah, for me, it's like, hey, if you want to thank me, go go live hard, right? Go do something that you, you know, that, that gets your adrenaline pumping, that, you know, that you actually are passionate about. Because we don't fight for, you know, for freedom, you know, so to walk around and have people say, thank you for doing that. You know, I fight for it. So, you know, in many cases, you never know who we are. Just go out there and enjoy it. Right? And if you do something you're passionate about and you find people who uh, who want to get behind that, then I'd say, you know, try. Do something crazy. Try to, mm-hmm. you know, try to solve a problem that nobody else has been able to solve, you know, or doesn't even know is, is you know, is something that, that needs to be solved. If you shoot for the moon and you, you know, and you get, a, you know, to the stratosphere, it's still, you know, damned impactful. Seriously. 
Because you learn from all of that. You learn from all of that. That's There's no success without fail. An attempt has to be a part of fail. An attempt has to be a part of success. You have to attempt to be successful knowing that the fail is there because that's what makes you want to be successful. <laughs> you don't want that, to fail. That This is something I, I bring up all the time because I, I think, you know, the people in my organization, they they have absolutely a no-fail attitude. And, and everybody takes that no-fail attitude and they apply it a little bit differently, right? Some people avoid doing things they don't have a high level of confidence they can do. Some people, you know, will just power through to get to success, even if they have no idea or it ends up being a lot more challenging than they expected. But what I try to foster is more of a, a you know, a science attitude around failure, right? And this is partially because of, you know, where I grew up and how I was trained, you know, in, in the soft community. Yeah, I was trained by scientists. I worked with scientists most of my career. And the thing I learned about working with scientists is it's not a failure. Their Science is never wrong. It's just the amount of data they had available at the time and the you know, the connections that they were able to make. So it, it doesn't end up being as black and white as success or failure. It ends up being, you know, if you on, you know, progress and the best possible outcome or information based off of the data you had access to. And when you uh, when you apply that kind of you know scientific mentality around success or failure. Yeah, even uh, failed experiments, right? "Quote unquote" failed experiments just maybe prevented somebody else from doing the, you know, from from testing it in the future, right? And it allowed you to rule out an option that wasn't that wasn't viable. So, you know, I encourage that you know a no fail attitude, you know, from the perspective of you know, did you take all of the available information and apply it? Did you mm-hmm. did you bother to? Uh, identify the things that were known to, to not be effective and then come up with a different the, you know, hypothesis and, and put the necessary guardrails on it to test it. So when you take that, it's like it, progress you know, towards, towards perfection is probably the best that we could hope for. But the emotional change, when you know that you know, failure is not necessarily an endpoint, but it's just a next step, people will do a lot more than they would if they're if they don't think in the ways that we're trained to now in school, right? Just mm-hmm. get the explicit instructions on what the outcome is expected, so you can make sure you get an A. Mm-hmm. Exactly. My my old uh, baseball coach used to say, "We're doing perfect practice today." <laughs> it's not just pra- you're practicing to be perfect. It's perfect practice. Let's get on with it. And yeah, like, let's go. You know, it's like that's it. You know, and in your, and, and in the world of where you've come from, you know, with your military career, you you have to be perfect practicing perfect, you know, going through shoot houses and all these types of things to just train up to be, you know, this, uh, this extreme athlete who goes and defends our freedom. Truly. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and then you bring that and now you're naming your business, right? It's, I, we, I don't even think I've, I've dropped the name of it. It's, isn't it, is it conquestcyber.com? Is that right? Conquest yeah. Cyber is the business. I've spent my career, what I, you know, I say going to the sound of the guns. It's a, it's a common term used, right? So I started with uh, with weapons of mass destruction, and then I got recruited into the counterterrorism world, and then you know counter weapons of mass destruction, terrorism, and then uh, global infectious disease, and now cyber. So I know personally the you know the Japanese word I think is ikigai, and I I probably mispronounced it, but you know the thing you're good at, the thing that you know you're passionate about, and the thing that will get you paid. 
my ikigai has always been associated to to things that are the greatest threat to national security. So so that's why I'm you know I'm in the the world of of cyber at this point, and we we only support my business critical infrastructure sectors. So the the sectors that enable our way of life, and then the national critical functions, which are you know largely performed by you know kind of all levels of government. So, you know, it's very much the, the mission continues. Um, I wouldn't say I'm a world-class athlete at this point, <laughs> but uh, I'm, I'm definitely a world-class keyboard athlete uh, with, with what we do, in, you, know, you know, for our, our uh, you know, our continued for national defense, but, but specifically for all the 400,000-plus organizations that make up our critical infrastructure. They're who our, uh, they're who our customers are these days. So let's talk about these days since we know it's the holidays and it's December right now. The trending topic on uh, a lot of the main media out there is uh, TikTok and uh, TikTok being this uh, <laughs> influential. Right, right. right let, me, let me finish. Let me finish. TikTok being this, yeah. uh, uh, you know, uh, spying network device that everybody's installed along with Instagram, WhatsApp, all these other social media applications. You know, now all of a sudden everybody's just coming at this one app, I want to just put this out here. I feel the reason why is because there's no control over it from the U.S. side. Like you can't do anything about what is being put on it per se with regards to news. And, you know, uh, some people don't want, you know, their name being said, but they can't stop it. So they want to just ban it. That's my thought because we're giving our information yeah. already on so many variants. You know, I mean, I got my vaccination. What more do I need to give them? Okay, come on. You know, I mean, they know everything about me, dude. Right. So here I am. But all joking aside, I mean, like, okay, so they've got my name, my number, probably my IP of where I log in to do my uploads. What is that going to do to me? How should I why should I be worried about that? Let's just let's open that up. Is that fair? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's funny. The the reason I was laughing about it is we were presented me. You know, my company was presented with some some data around some vulnerabilities that TikTok had. It was basically, it looked like the, uh, a release of a vulnerability assessment that was done on TikTok. And, you know, uh, some, some media asked us to interpret the results of that vulnerability assessment. So we did so. And I obviously, I gave a lot more context to, you know, to the outlet that, that it asked for it than they printed. But I basically talked about TikTok, about, you know, the vulnerabilities that were identified, sure, vulnerability assessment's a common practice in cyber. It needs to be done. You're always going to have vulnerabilities, right? And it's a point in time, so they need to be remediated and that type of thing. But more importantly, right, TikTok is a Chinese-owned company. We need to be cognizant around the data that, that you're sharing generally as a, as a user. And you can't expect that their protections are, are going to you know fall in line with what we believe we have here in the U.S. and the you know, Chinese government won't take take those those data points. So that resulted in the the most interaction I, I've I've ever had on Twitter. I begrudgingly established a Twitter account when I when I wrote my book because they they told me I had to, um, but I never really engaged with Twitter as a platform until until recently when you mm-hmm. know, Elon Musk so started blowing up and melting started, down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it started yeah. started being more to me. Same. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so, seriously, so TikTok, the whole banning, the whole banning of TikTok. Like, you take it off of government phones; it should never have been on government phones in the first place. I mean, what are we right. thinking? Like, 
we knew about Huawei and ZTE and all that stuff long before it was ever publicly reported. So, yeah, if you're doing, you know, things in the national security arena or you're doing things and you have like you're doing like high level R&D right. where, you know, it may make its way into our, our national security apparatus or you need it for your business. Sure. <laughs> Ban TikTok on those devices, you know, teach people a little bit more about having some cognizance around what they put online. But, I mean, to think that TikTok is getting any more than than Twitter or Facebook or any uh, Instagram or Snapchat or any of the others because it's Chinese right. owned, I, I think is a little ridiculous. But, you know, instead of having the people of a political, uh, particular political slant having access to that data and then getting into the hands of the Chinese government, going directly into the hands of the Chinese government, I think is, it, it almost becomes inconsequential for most people who are doing these, you know, these videos. <laughs> so yeah, that's my, uh, cause my I, two cents. I, I, I love to hear that because I mean, you know, I'm on there and I, I do videos, I snowboard and I, I'm like, okay, what are they getting from me? They're getting that I'm in the mountains snowboarding. All right. Um, and I also understand the business aspect of, you know, using the Instas for your branding and like, you know, Twitter for branding and for your business. And, you know, hey, uh, you know, a business, it makes sense. You're right. I guess if anybody out there is younger and they're listening to this this podcast right now, and I would say, you know, just be aware of what you put out on the Internet because it stays forever. And if you're going to create a handle yeah. with your name, that's a brand that you're building. And people are going to expect what you post to be your brand. And so you have to be aware yeah. of that. Yeah. Cause that's, yeah. that's real. Yeah. No, hundred percent. What you post is, is, you know, as you said, before we jumped on here, right. It's on the internet. So it's there yeah. forever. Then just understand some of the other dots that can be connected to. I mean, a lot of people don't think about how powerful open source intelligence is. I mean, it's, it's really about connecting dots. So if you're not paying for something, you're the product. That's the old saying, right? And with TikTok and you're using it, it's looking at location data. It's IPs that it's bouncing off of, you know, cell phone networks that it's on, right? And if you're the child of a uh, high net worth individual or a general <laughs> politician, or, you know, you're yeah, politician and that type of thing. Like, yeah, you're, you know, I bet I, I would venture a guess that there's a, you know, an office building somewhere in, you know, outside of Shanghai where, you know, they've got a map of everywhere you've been, you know, yeah. and we're able to listen to some of the conversations that were happening in the background of your TikTok video. So, you know, a little bit of awareness goes a long way, but we can't, we can't nanny state everybody into, to a perfect security posture or believe that, China can't get the information from any of those other providers if they wanted it. You know, our, we're still a sieve when it comes to cybersecurity, and there's so many ways that they can collect data and still target that people don't think about. So I, I'm not on what? TikTok. I'm not very photogenic, not super fan of videos <laughs> um, because of because of how I grew up in the you know in my formative years. I you know, I, I don't want my face or name on billboards. And I do things like this, these conversations a little bit begrudgingly, <laughs> but I think it's important, you know, to get the word out, to have people understand that, you know, the way society tells you, you have to, you know, to think and do things and grow up and what right looks like. I think it's all generally BS. Got to do what's right for you. And, and I don't, I don't want the federal government doing any more than they need to do. Cause I, you know, mm-hmm. I, I've worked in in the federal government for, you know, more of my life than I didn't or with either for them or directly or in them. And man, you want to find the hardest way to do something in the slowest way. You know, you, 
you give it to the feds. So more regulation, more laws, that type of thing. I think we need to be looking at how to make things more effective rather than just adding regulations or getting into the habit of banning things based off of what's happening in, in geopolitics or, mm-hmm. or in you know, federal or state level politics at the time. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Yeah, because here in Utah, they just passed just recently, just yesterday, the governor just banned that application from any state devices. And I just think to myself, you know, why are they on them? You know, like, are these the, are these the people pointing up in the screen with, are these my, um, these my elected officials do it? I get that they do, but you know, there are elected officials who use TikTok as a matter of fact, bro. Now that I think about it, you know, and there are kids. Of these people who do have TikToks and you are, uh, you've hit it. I just, now that I just think about it, but I guess just be aware of what you put out there. Yeah. Be aware of what you put out there and be aware of the things that, you know, are happening. Like you're, everybody's got a low jack on these days. I don't, you know, and, and the fact that they don't realize it, I think is pretty, yeah, it's concerning and something we need to address. If you're walking around with an iPhone glued to your forehead, yeah. Or a Android device or whatever. Yeah. Right. You're being tracked. <laughs> like everywhere you go, everything that you do, every transaction you make, every, you know, picture that you send to somebody of, you know, you and your birthday suit, like every single bit of this stuff. And sometimes things that, you, you know, most of the time things that you don't realize, you know, assume that it's going to end up in time, on a billboard in Times Square. Oh, yeah. Your speed limit, your speed limit. If you're driving in your car, your phone is going that fast with you. It's like got it all, it's all synced up. It's like you're doing 76 miles an hour, right? On your Google directions when you're driving. 
They know how fast you're going. You're like, I wasn't going that fast. I'm like, let's look at your cash data. <laughs> you're doing 86 yeah. according to the Google. You know, it's like yeah. uh, the other day, I, Google's like, hey, Rad, you missed a spot on your timeline. Do you want to update it? And I was like, I don't remember missing a spot on the timeline. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it's. <laughs> Yeah, there was I most recently have been you know a lot you know pushing the Twitter button on my phone and seeing what was going on there. And it, you know there was a, a Twitter Spaces the other night. It was Elon Musk who happened to attend it. Uh, it was incredibly intriguing. You know, you had a hundred thousand people while he's on his private jet. You know, talking just having a conversation with him. And it was brought up to like 1984, the the book 1984. Some people treat it like it's a it's an instruction manual, right? It's supposed to be a warning, but now we're we're all allowing it to happen. We encourage it. We want the feedback from the masses to say, you know, thumbs up, and we we delete things if they don't if it doesn't get enough thumbs up. And then, man, that that external validation is it's a drug that you know you, people can never get enough of. And then, uh, unfortunately, I think it, the the impact on society without having other things that, that give them kind of that intrinsic feeling of value, it, it puts us in a bad spot as a, you know, as a country and a society. So, yeah, I'm not a, an absolutist that we should go and tell your kids they can't have an iPhone or make them ostracize. I, just, I think we just need to be aware as, uh, as time goes on, you know, the calculator didn't make it to where nobody understood math. You know, the cell phone didn't make it to where, you know, nobody had any connection. It was they were just tools to enable something that was kind of already on that glide path. You know, and as we continue to move forward into, uh, in time, you know, I think we, we should pay attention to making sure that people are, are working on things that, that give them fulfillment and not just external validation. Right. hundred percent. I completely agree. I mean, that's it. I don't know what to say. I'm a host and I'm supposed to be impartial and sit, but I agree with, you know, the things you say. So I'm just going to put it out there. Come at me. Comment down below if you got something to say about me. Go ahead. I also tell you this. My buddies, The Used, it's a friend of mine, he, the band, they, they have a song called 1984, specifically about like that, you know, and its impact. Uh, and, you know, the, he's the lead singer, huge uh, boy, I almost want to say thespian, even though he's a singer. You know, he's just his mind is always reading and doing different things and the way he writes. So I think that uh, it's a warning. <laughs> it's yeah. a warning. That's what it is, dude. Yeah. That's crazy. When and, you said that, you know, I was like, oh. and I talked to if there's anybody, you know, any military guys or you know, special operators or anybody who's you know who just feels like they're they're not being fulfilled. Man, I I've, I've been there. I mean, I you know I I got into special operations early, and uh, you know, and I ended up getting medically retired early as well. You know, in that time between, you know, being in the special operations community and getting to be able to do what I'm doing today, man, there was a lot of time where I was like, I didn't feel like what I was doing was fulfilling, was impactful, that I didn't like the people I was being surrounded by. They didn't understand, you know, the, you know, the unique perspective that you get from being in a no fail mission uh, for many years. And I, I tell them, if it's not working, don't just knuckle through it. Right? A lot of people who are transitioning out of the military or, or just struggling, they they end up bouncing around, right? And I would say if you're if you're not in the right spot, if you're not surrounded by people who are gonna yeah you know, gonna help you move forward, yeah, I would encourage you just to just to move quick because life is made for living. And if you're uh, if you're just in a, going through the motions, 
there is probably something somewhere else that people that you can surround yourself with, things that you could work on, and you'll find you know that passion for you and and really feel fulfilled. Because you know, otherwise, what the hell were we fighting for? And if you want to learn more about uh, Jeff, he, he's got the book "All the War They Want," and you can check out. When's that coming? Is that already? That's going to be coming out at, once this is out on the air, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's available now for pre-order. It's all getting shipped on on January tenth, and you know, it's, you'll it'll be in bookstores and that type of thing. And all that that book is about is you know a little bit of sharing of what my passion is, and then then how to do something about it when you have a you have a problem that uh, that you just can't accept not being solved. So, you know, a good friend of mine, uh, David Henshaw, who uh, is his kind of CV, he's the, he was the, the CEO of Citrix when it was publicly traded for many years. You know, he described it as uh, a combination of Simon Sinek and, and Tom Clancy, but yeah. it's not really intended to be anything in particular. I'm not, there are a little bit of war stories, but really it's informing just how how I've made decisions and how, you know, I, I learned, you know, from that community that, uh, you know, there, there's a way to do things that works. And many of the ways that people are telling you to do things today, they just don't. That's why, you know, most sports franchises are, are run more effectively than the best run businesses. Now, and I, I worked in an organization that, you know, was far more effective than the sports franchises, particularly if you're a Dolphins fan, but <laughs> Yeah, that's just sharing some of the insights I, I glean there, and you know, surrounded by people who you who've done miraculous things that uh, that nobody can talk about. So hopefully, people like to you know pick it up and yeah, like you said, if they don't like what you say. Drop drop the comments. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, if people don't if people don't like the book. Yeah, you know, let me know. I'll definitely not consider that at all. <laughs> so yeah, um, <laughs> it's like you know, go ahead and let me know. I, I really, but uh, you know. I'll, all the war they want. If you're hearing it and it's, it's something that you're thinking about getting someone, you can pre-order it. You know, it's been a real pleasure to have you on this episode. I've had your time for an hour and I know you're busy and uh, I know the little reluctance of being on this and put it out there. So I want to say thanks for trusting us to bring your story and, and, and some exposure to you. You know, the soft rep community here is a very cool, loyal one. And I really appreciate your time today on the video and on online. So thank you very much, Jeff. Yeah, thanks a lot, Rad. It was a pleasure, and uh, hope all the listeners enjoy. Well, thank you. So with that, I'm going to say Happy New Year, and go check out Jeff's book, All the War They Want, and hit us up on Instagram. Hit me up on TikTok if you got some kind of question or you want to be freaking out at night and you want to save yourself, hit me up. I'll try to answer, okay? Other than that, my name is Rad, and I'm going to say peace. You've been listening to Soft Rep Radio. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. 
he says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.